Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels. Rahul, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Jackie? I'm doing good. A little bit boring with no Premier League to watch this weekend. Yeah, it has. It has been a little boring, but also a little busy with all these international games going on. So absolutely, I I can be very honest. I did not watch any international Premier any international games this week. So hopefully you you know watched a couple of them so you can give us some feedback on this week. Yeah, I I did get to watch a few of them, so we can talk through them and 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 you know just see what what happened out there. So let's get that sounds started. great. So international break started uh, about ten days ago, eleven days ago, and it's been a lot's been going on. As I said, it's been busy. Euro twenty twenty qualifiers. Um, African Cup of Nations qualifiers, friendlies, nation leagues. So just a lot of soccer being played in the middle of a pandemic, which is always interesting. For sure. Uh, but starting off with the Euro 2020 or I guess 2021 qualifiers, uh, the biggest news was Scotland have qualified for the tournament after 1996, which was their last time in the Euros. So that was the biggest news. They made it after beating Serbia on penalties. Uh, quite an exciting game. It was 1-0 going into the 90th minute. And Luka Jovic might ring a name, might ring a bell to some of you guys out there who now plays for Real Madrid, or at least is on Real Madrid's books, doesn't play much. Uh, scored in the 90th minute and forced a penalty shootout, which Scotland went on to win 5-4. So First time they've qualified, and they've done so under the stewardship of Steve Clark. Yeah, that's super exciting. Steve Clark was our assistant manager from 2004-2007, served with Jose Mourinho. Uh, honestly, a low-profile guy, but you know, very, very excited to hear that he's guided Scotland over to the Euros. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, as you said, an assistant manager, and before that, a player for Chelsea, so... Glad to see that he's doing well with Scotland and bringing them back to the glory days. Uh, the, the funny thing is, by qualifying, they've now made it into England's group, Group D. So uh, next summer, there'll be a showdown between England and Scotland, which will be interesting to watch. But good news for, for Scotland and our Scottish fans out there whenever we get them. <laughs> um so yeah, that was that was the biggest news in the Euro 2020 qualifiers. Uh, all the groups are now set, and the tournament is set to begin next summer in June. Uh, I do know that there's some talks of the tournament solely being in the UK versus all over Europe. So we'll see what happens with that. But excited for next summer and when what's going to come with all these international teams fighting it out. So why don't we talk? you know, a quick minute about Group F, the group of death. So like I said, I didn't follow the whole international period, but now we know France, Germany, Hungary, and Portugal have been placed in the same group. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, that's like you said, that's definitely a group of death. I mean, France, Germany, and Portugal all in the same group. And Hungary might surprise a few. Not to discredit them, yeah. Yeah, so... I think that's definitely going to be a, a tough one to get out of. And right off, just looking at it, you would think it would be France and Germany. But 
Mr. Ronaldo might be fit and ready to go and, and hungry, like we said, might surprise a few. So there's no guarantees in football. Yeah, for sure. It might be his last Euros at his age. We don't know, but definitely one, one to watch out for. Yep. And he comes in as the, as the defending champion. So, yep. So that'll be, that'll be interesting, but yeah, that that's looking forward to the Euro 2020, 21. Don't know what to call it, but um, we'll have a separate episode on that as we get closer. Uh, next thing going on in international football was the African Cup of Nations qualifiers. So they were supposed to have this tournament earlier this year. Obviously, the pandemic hit and they have had to postpone it to uh, February, January, February of next year in Cameroon. Um, and so Senegal and Algeria have already qualified and our home nation, Ghana, is in the process of qualifying. They got a good win last week against Sudan in Ghana. Uh, two goals from Andre Ayew. That would ring a, ring a bell again for some of our PL uh, listeners. Premier League connection, yep. Yep. And that result put Ghana in control of the group. But then they picked up some bad news in that IU was out for the return game in Sudan, which was uh, earlier today, and they went on to lose that game 1-0. So some some negative news there, and they still sit top of the group with nine points, but they would have to win their next game. So hoping and praying for some positive news for Ghana in the next uh, break. If you play fantasy Premier League, you probably want to drop him from your squad. um so yeah that's that's on ghana uh moving on to another african team i mean our main connection to them is through hakim ziesh um he is taking them on the brink of qualification and that means he will be missing in january and february from chelsea's squad definitely not good news but did you see the comments from Cesc fabregas about him no i didn't what do you say so Sesk has been watching his old club pretty closely. It's exciting to see that. Um, he thinks he's got a great pass. So that's definitely high praise from the old passing maestro for, for Chelsea, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I don't know, in our last episode, we said uh, Ziyech was a magician, which was a word we had used for Fabregas. So that, that is definitely high praise coming from Sesk. So that's that's kind of rounds up the African Cup of Nations qualifiers. Um, there were some friendlies that happened. Uh, we'll focus on the England-Ireland game. A 3-0 win for England. Uh, their first win against Ireland since 1985. So it's kind of sensing a theme here with some you know wins and qualifications for Scotland uh, not happening for the last 30 or 40 years. So uh, England went on to win, which was good to see. They had goals from Harry Maguire, Jaden Sancho, and a penalty from Calvert-Lewin. Uh, some negative news for our Liverpool fans. Joe Gomez picked up an injury in training, so he's out. Yeah, I don't know how you know who what their back four is going to look like with all these injuries going on. I think it's Van Dijk out now, Joe Gomez out now, Fabinho out now. Um, they're going to struggle to string together a center, uh, you know, a defensive pairing going forward. Yep, yep. And Trent Alexander-Arnold picked up an injury right, in the last right. game. So he's out. Uh, I saw Andrew Robertson is injured, so he's out. So yeah, it's we'll get into the, the Premier League preview in a little bit. But yeah, it's going to be interesting what team they put out, or defense at least. 
Um, right before I get into my favorite part of this England result, I just want to touch on Jude Bellingham making his debut for England. He became the third youngest player to do so behind Theo Walcott and Wayne Rooney, two household names in the Premier League. And Wayne Rooney, uh, coincidentally, this week has become part of the coaching staff that took over at Derby County, Frank Lampard's former club, right. uh, after they fired the manager. So uh, interesting to see that Rooney's kind of moving and transitioning into the uh, coaching and managerial post. So, yep, that's that's good news on on a young youngster making new uh, making his debut, but. Another youngster that we were told by a certain someone on this podcast that wasn't picked for the England squad. Not only was he picked, but he started and put in a fabulous performance. And I think by now everyone must have guessed, and Jackie, you must have guessed who I'm talking about. So I'm going to let you take this one. Yeah, so I've been corrected several times over the last couple of weeks about our previous podcast where I stated Jack Grealish was not picked. So we pride ourselves here at um, getting the right facts for our podcast. So I have to apologize about stating this. So let me start off by apologizing. I did state that Jack Grealish was not going to make the England squad. I was shocked to hear this. My facts were wrong. Uh, Jack Grealish did make the English squad and he did start. So for anybody else who listened to our previous episodes, I, you know, raise my hand, take off my hat, whatever you want to call it. I apologize. I got my information wrong. We will be double checking myself going forward. <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll allow it. And I, I played along with you last time. So clearly we need to, we both need to get our facts right and stop spreading some fake news uh wow <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that was the england ireland game a friendly that they played and then england moved on to playing in the nations league which um don't really get the point of it but anyway that's a different topic so england played belgium coming into the game they had won their last game uh the friendly but they had lost their last nations league game against denmark one nothing so they kind of needed to win here and unfortunately for England fans and fortunately for Belgium fans, um, England did not win. They conceded two early goals in, in the first half. Uh, Tielemans from Leicester City scored a great, great drive into the bottom corner. And then Dries Mertens, if you haven't seen that free kick, go look it up on YouTube. It was just a beautiful free kick. I mean, England had the tallest defenders in the wall and he just dinked it over, beat Pickford. And that put them 2-0 in control. You know, I, I didn't watch the game, but you and I have followed England for many, many years, you know, going back to what they call the golden generation where Michael Oven and uh, Wayne Rooney led the line, Frank Lampard, Gerard Scholes, Beckham, uh, fantastic defense in Rio Ferdinand, John Terry. Um, and, and the complaints always been the same. They've been inconsistent. And to be very honest with you, Garrett Southgate has kind of stabilized them. There was the whole thing of, you know, the World Cup's coming home. They played brilliantly. Uh, and then they go to lose to Belgium. Granted, Belgium is, you know, ranked pretty, pretty highly in the world uh, ratings. But it's shades of an inconsistent England. 
Yeah, you're 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 definitely right about that. And they they had a good start on the Southgate, and you know after the World Cup, all things were pointing towards a good trajectory for the next tournament. But for some reason or the other, it's it started to go south, and not no pun intended. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a little sad to see, and I I know a lot of people recently have been asking for a new manager, a change in direction. And I can see why that's happening, but I think we've got to stick it out with, with Southgate, an English, former English player and, and, and now manager. Yeah, I agree with you. I think his results have been good overall. Changing managers while you've kind of got the base for the team is not the right time. Let him perform with what he's got. Let him take England to the Euros. Let's see what he can do. Obviously, he did very well, very well in the last World Cup. So, uh, given an opportunity, changing managers. Chelsea fans know this. We've changed managers many, many times in the previous decade or so. Sometimes it works out okay. Sometimes it turns out abysmal. You know, AVB. No comments. But yeah, you're right. I, I think you know. Let's get. Let take this team to the Euros next next summer. The only thing for me would be he takes the the best players and informed players, um, so you know no no playing favorites, which he's been accused of, and no playing you know I gotta call this person up just because they have had they've played well for England in the past. Uh, that that's not gonna work. So playing taking Grealish if he's still informed by the summertime, then yes he's gotta go. And, and playing the best players in their best position. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm on I'm on the same page as you that we've got to stick it out with Southgate for now. So yeah, that that, that defeat in, in Belgium kind of left England out of the frame for qualifying for the next round of the Nations League. And that basically ended their hopes. They played Denmark Denmark tomorrow at home, but that's more of a game for Denmark than, than England. So we'll see what happens there. Um, another one, more just two friendlies to touch on before we move on is the U.S. played Wales in a nil-nil friendly. First game for the U.S. men's team since February 2020, which, you know, first game in about, I want to say, was it 10, eight, eight months? And so it was good to see them back in action. No Pulisic, which... Selfishly, I was happy about. He, he needs a break. Yeah, he he definitely needs a break, and I'm glad uh, Greg Berhalter sent him back home. Back home, I mean, back to Chelsea, and told him to go recover. So, I'm looking forward to seeing a fully fit Pulisic this weekend. But just to touch back on the U.S. men's national team, they gave debuts to six players, which is more than half a team. And so, there's exciting times coming up for the U.S. fans. Gio Reyna in particular, you know, from Dortmund has that he's 18 and he's making his debut and scoring his first goal and everything is pointing towards a positive future for not just him, but the U.S. team. And so they they wrapped up their international break with a 6-2 win over Panama and Austria. And like I said, Gio, Gio Reyna was on in the goals. Um, the scoreline was a little f- flattering to the U.S. just because it was 3-2 until the 80th minute, but then they pulled away in the final 10 minutes. But the potential is there, which is exciting. And 
more of these U.S. players we're now seeing playing for the top clubs. So obviously Pulisic at Chelsea, Dest at Barcelona, Weston McKenney at Juventus, Gio Reyna, as I mentioned, is at Dortmund, Tyler Adams at Leipzig. So even if they aren't playing too much, I think personally as, as, a, as a fan of the U.S. men's national team, it's good to see them training with some of the, the bigger guys. For sure. I think, you know, you and I growing up watching Premier League, I remember a couple of names like Landon Donovan made a couple of appearances in the Premier League and a couple of other tournaments around Europe. You've definitely got Clint Dempsey, who was my favorite, playing for Tottenham and Fulham across the Premier League as well. And then Tim Howard, who's on NBC Sports now as well, commentating on games and giving his opinion. But really, you you don't talk about a solid core of you know, the men's U.S. national team playing across some of these top, top, top leagues in the world. So very, very exciting. I have these discussions with my U.S. friends all the time about what's going to bring the United States men's national team to the next level. Uh, looking at this, you know, this, this group of players that's coming across now, this top level is definitely going to be a positive for them. Yeah, so exciting times coming up for the U.S. fans. So just before we wrap up our international break overview, uh, we do have to talk about the number of Chelsea players that featured and not only featured, but put in some good performances. So Jackie, why don't you touch on that? Yeah, so, you know, Zaich played for Morocco, three goals and assists. They've done great over there. Antoni Rudiger, you know, not getting many games for us, but playing for Germany, you know, great, great games to get his legs out there. Timo Werner, you know, we've talked about him for the last couple of episodes. What a player we have on our hands, scoring two for Germany. Michi Bashwai, you know, a name still on our books. It's several years, still on our books, on loan at Crystal Palace. I have him in my fantasy Premier League for those who are interested. Scored two goals. Um, things are looking good for him there. Callum Hudson-Odoi playing in the under-21s, doing okay. Ingolo Kante, I think I picked him as my man of the match for last Premier League games does great again. Um, I'm going to skip over one player so we can talk about him for a minute. And then, of course, Kovacic scoring two goals for Croatia. Doesn't score for us, but two goals for Croatia. The one player I did skip over, Olivier Giroud. lot of conversation around him, controversy around him. Call it whatever you want to. Scores two goals in the internationals for France against Sweden. I think he's six, seven, eight goals away from France's all top goal scorer. It's easy, but definitely, definitely one of the best, best, best French players to play for the international team. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, I agree with you. I think he's puts in performance after performance and not just performances, but caps them off with goals, which are the most important part for a forward. So, whether he's playing for Chelsea or not, he's getting picked for France and he keeps scoring for them. So I'm I'm excited to see him close that gap towards the record goals for France. And I saw a little bit of news that he is itching for a move away in January from Chelsea if he doesn't get more playing time. So it's almost deja vu from last year where right. he wasn't featuring in January came and he wanted to move and didn't, and then you know what happened. So we'll see what happens. 
So that rounds up our coverage of the international break. Actually, I'm forgetting one one big result from today was Spain beating Germany six nothing. Um, not to sound cheesy, but that was kind of a low for them. Right. Um, I think they might have come to an end. Germany might have come to an end with their manager, um, and you know they may need some change of direction, new ideas. Um, but yeah, that that was a big result for Spain. Fernand for Fernand Ferran Torres hat trick. Our former striker Alvaro Morata getting a goal as well. So yeah, that's that's. That was one of the biggest surprises from this international break. Um, I almost forgot about it, but you know, Jackie, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's crazy to hear some of these, you know, results when we watch these games or hear about these games. Spain and Germany always sounds like a very, very close competition, very defensive sides. Of course, Spain always has been scoring goals for years, but six nails is, is unheard of. And when you hear Morata scoring. He's changed his career. I'm, I'm not going to be the negative guy on this podcast, as some may say, but he's changed his career. But Morata scoring is always something to talk about. Yeah. Uh, changed his career is, is being kind, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so, yep, that, that rounds up our international coverage. I know there's a few more games tomorrow before the players head back to their clubs. But um, if anything major happens, we will cover it in our future episodes. Uh, moving on to some other football going on last weekend was the Chelsea women's team played Arsenal women's team in the WSL league game. And for me, this was this was very interesting because NBCSN here in the U.S. broadcasted this game live. This was part of their two games that they showed this past weekend, the first one being the Manchester Derby on Saturday, and then they showed the London Derby, Arsenal-Chelsea. Um, and it was just great to see that, you know, NBC is is putting their efforts and their their focus on, on bringing women's soccer to um, the American market. Now, I know they do a great job with the Premier League, but with adding the Women's League, it's just, just a great, great move from them. And so the, the game finished 1-1 for Chelsea. Um, they left it a little late. They were pushing and, and pretty much in control of the game, I would say. Uh, but then unfortunately conceded in the 86th minute, which was steering them towards a loss. But not just that, they had gone 26 games unbeaten prior to this game. So um, they were almost in danger of losing that record, which was saved uh, with the last gasp equalizer to tie the game 1-1. And so they get the draw, they move on. They could have almost won it actually from a Sam Kerr goal, uh, but what that wasn't to be. And so they go 27 games unbeaten in the WSL, which if I remember right, was almost two years, which is great for them. Emma Hayes, the manager and, and the squad have just done fantastically well. And their next game is actually tomorrow night on the 18th. Um, so be sure to to keep an eye out for that and, and and watch it if you can. Yeah, definitely exciting that NBC is broadcasting that here. I hope they do well and continue to do well so that our fans can keep watching and supporting them. Yep. 
So just wanted to touch on that. And then now we move on to club football and Premier League coming back to our screens this weekend. Yes, thank God. I know we've all anxiously been waiting and, and, and hoping that everyone comes back safe. I know there have been some injuries, some COVID positive cases, but the Premier League is back. And we start this weekend with Newcastle versus Chelsea. Yes, exciting, exciting, exciting. Chelsea moving away to Newcastle can be a difficult game. Newcastle has been up and down. They start off really, really good and then, you know, kind of taper off towards the end, especially with the Man United game where they ended up 4-1. But you see the potential there with Newcastle. So definitely can be a challenging game. I do have faith in Chelsea. I think Frank Lampard's going to end up with his traditional 4-3-3 again. I am on the fence about if... Kai Havertz is going to start or not, but that's okay. I think it's going to be all right. Um, the team has been in good form. I hope the international break doesn't stop that good form and we continue to play with high scoring and keep going with the defensive record that we've had. Yeah, I'm excited to see the boys in blue back. Uh, my only concern is Thiago Silva played for Brazil tonight, which means right. he won't get back to London maybe late Wednesday night or early Thursday. So I'm not sure if he travels for this game. Um, and with, like you said, with Havertz being still, I mean, I think he'll be back, but maybe not fit enough to play. Match fit, yeah. Yep, that might be another another concern. And then we've just overall got to worry about all these guys coming back and they've got to get tested for COVID and you never know who pops up positive and they've got to be out. So just just something to keep an eye out for, but I think we should win. I think we should win convincingly, um, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. So you have more faith than I do. I'm thinking it's going to be a little more tight. Let's save our predictions right till the end of the podcast. Right. But I think it's going to be a tight, a little bit tighter game. I, I could be wrong, but hopefully let's see how this plays out. I don't know, man. Super Frank's at the wheel. <laughs> We'll talk about Oli at the wheel a little bit later. <laughs> but yeah, so Newcastle have been up and down. They they beat Everton, but then went to Southampton and lost. So I think if we come in with the right attitude and, and you know have the, the players fit, then it should be should be good. But you know, one thing we haven't talked about in our previous podcast, or maybe we have, Chelsea does have a good big squad this season. And I emphasize the word big. This season, we have a squad that has several players in different positions that could pick up and fill in the shoes to do the job. I'm not saying it's the same as having your first team starting, but we do have a quality squad this season. Maybe not as big as we want it to be, but as good quality as we had in the 04-05 season. So hopefully these players can step in. We just talked about Kovacic scoring two goals. If certain players cannot step in, Hopefully, these are the players that are going to step in and, and fill those boots for this weekend. Yeah, definitely. I know uh, Chilwell has a little knock, so they're monitoring him for the game, England game tomorrow. But I hope if it's, you know, it's kind of a dead game for England anyway, so I hope he doesn't get pissed. But so what would your starting lineup be? I think you're going to have to stick with Mendy in goal just because of the quality he's brought to the team. Right back, if Reese is feeling okay, 
it's very, very difficult, but I think I'm going to stick with Reese. I think the pace he brings to the game, defensive qualities he brings to the game, crossing. You talked about crossing. His crossing is incredible. That needs to be in, in on the pitch as well. Um, center back pairing. If Thiago cannot play, you have to stick with Zuma. I will bring Christensen back into the game. I know a lot of people have pushed are pushing for Rudiger. Um, I'll stick with Christensen for now. Left back. If Chilwell is fit, he starts. If not, Emerson for me. A lot of people like Alonso. His defensive issues may not be what I want to start with, especially at Newcastle where they do have some chances. With the three in the middle, Mason Mount has to start. People like to make a lot of comments about Mason Mount. We've talked about his work rate. He has to start. Kovacic and Kante. I think those three in the middle will be good enough to to move forward with. If not, you've got Jorginho on the bench. I've heard Billy Gilmore is coming back to fitness. Not just sure yet, but you definitely have those players there. Your front three then can be Tammy Abraham, Timo Werner, and then Hakim Ziyech. Um, one thing I will talk about is that right side of the midfield with Hakim and um, Reese James. Together, having a right foot player cross and a left foot player cross definitely brings something different to the team, different angles, and it really, really helps for whoever's coming in on the end of those crosses. That would be my starting lineup. Yeah, and the good news on the Reese part is he played that first England game and then was suspended for is suspended for the next one too. So I believe he's back at Chelsea and, and has been training with the squad. So he should be fit and ready to go. But on the flip side, Espelicueta has been at Chelsea the last two weeks. So a, a tough decision for Lampard. And in full health. Definitely yeah. full, fresh legs and everything. Definitely no shame in bringing Cesar off the bench. There's nothing wrong with having Dave start over there. Yeah, I, I agree. But for me, I think I'll go Mendy, Reese James, uh, Rudiger, Zuma, Chilwell if he's fit. If not, I think Lampard favors Emerson. Uh, yep. Alonso's is out. So that would be my back four in midfield. Like you said, Conte, Mount, if Havertz is fit, he starts. If not, then Kovacic. And then the front three, it was interesting to hear you say Tammy Abraham after you wanting to sell him last a few weeks. Right. But yeah, I would go Werner, Tammy Abraham, and Ziyech. Yeah, I think he brings that aerial threat that we're missing. For me, I would love Giroud to start, but we all know where Frank Lampard's long-term vision is. So I have to settle with Tammy Abraham. But if I could choose Giroud, I would definitely choose Giroud. <laughs> but we'll stick with Tammy for now. Right. So yeah, that that's the our, our predicted lineup. Um, we'll see what happens. Lampard's press conference is coming up at least Thursday. And- so we'll get some more team news then. But that's the Newcastle-Chelsea game. We'll give you a prediction at the end once we've touched on some of the other games. But moving on, the other big game on Saturday is Tottenham Hotspurs versus Manchester City. That sounds fun. Jose Mourinho versus Pep Guardiola. That will be very, very exciting. Whenever you say Jose Mourinho versus Pep Guardiola, I always seem to remember and a finger in somebody's eye from the Spanish Premier League days. If if people haven't seen that, you definitely need to look that up on YouTube where someone gets poked in the eye. I wouldn't say who pokes who, but I'm sure a lot of you can guess who poked who in the eye. Yeah, the, the, those were some heated 
heated rivalries from from the El Clasico days. And I'm pretty sure the person who did the poking is not too proud of himself now. Um, but the person who did got got get poked, uh, Tito Villanova, rest in peace. Um, but yeah, those those were some heated games. I don't know if that intensity or, or, or rivalry transfers over between Spurs and Manchester City, but these are two of the, the best teams in the league. So it's going to be very exciting to watch them, them fight. And, Man- and sorry, I mean, Tottenham have been free flowing. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think the rivalry necessarily transfers over to that level. But I think you've got two fantastic managers who have that winning mentality. So are they going to play their best teams? For sure. Are they going to play aggressive football? For sure. Do we intend high scoring? I don't think so. <laughs> I think maybe Mourinho might go a little more conservative. I, I could be wrong, but he, I think he prefers the win any day over a, over a five nail, for example. He'd rather win a one nail and, and just take it away and go. Spurs are at home. They've been up and down at home. Man City have been inconsistent this season. There's all to play for. It's definitely going to be an explosive game for sure. At least we hope for an explosive game. Yeah, you you touched on the Man City being inconsistent. They've away from home. I don't think they've had um, too many bad results, but they did they did tie with Leeds. Um, so yeah, they've been up and down and, and coming into this first game right off of an international break where players have been all over. It's going to be interesting what teams both these guys put out. Um, yes, Spurs are at home, but without the fans, it's kind of, kind of void anyway. Right. So it'll be interesting, but I think whoever plays, there should be goals in it and we should all as neutrals, at least you and I should be in for a good game. Yeah, I only have one question on that game. We've seen Pep Guardiola spend quite a bit of money on his defense over the last few seasons, specifically in left back. I understand he's got some injuries. He does have Zinchenko fit, if I'm not wrong. He's chosen to play Cancelo there over the last couple of games. Cancelo has looked good. Is he going to be their first choice or their starting left back for maybe not the rest of the season, but some of their major games? I think so. I, well, at least in the Premier League, because I have him in my fantasy league. <laughs> no, I, I think Cancelo has come in and he's been given that opportunity on, on the back of Mendy being injured and Zinchenko being injured earlier this season. And he's done very well. He's made that spot his own and he's supporting from left back. And I don't see why there should be a change, at least in this game, uh, but you never know. Pep makes the random, most random decision and drops players and, and, and wins games, which justifies his decisions. But Cancelo, for me, has to start. I agree with you. Yeah, definitely something interesting to watch out for, especially with the money being spent yeah. in the defense over the last few seasons. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I know Nathan Aki picked up an injury. So he's going to be out. So I think it's it's going to be Laporte and Diaz as center backs and then Kyle Walker and, and Cancelo, either side of them. Uh, it was interesting to hear Roy Keane, I don't know if you've seen that, <laughs> go in on Kyle Walker after that Liverpool-Man City game. And he went as far as calling him an idiot. No, I did not see that, but I take everything Roy Keane says with a 
large spoon of salt, not a grain of salt, a large spoon of salt. Uh, players these days are very different from Roy Keane's days. So we definitely have to take anything he says with a large, large spoon of salt. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think Man City have, have issued a complaint with Sky Sports about Roy Keane. So we'll see where that goes. But coming back to the game, um, should be a good one. And then that, that game is followed up by Manchester United versus West Brom at home. You know, on paper, Man United have a better squad. They should take this pretty easily. However, the Man United we've seen over the last few weeks, I don't know where this is going to end up. West Brom do have a decent squad. Um, this could go either way. I, I really don't know how to predict it. You, you've texted me earlier in the week saying when Ole Gunnar Sunshine, and I think you've said this on, on, on our podcast as well, when fires underneath Man United, he somehow turns into Sir Alex Ferguson. So Man United are a bit under fire. He may magically pull out something. I do, you know, it's very hard to predict Man United these days. So we have to wait and watch and see. Yeah. And the biggest thing for Man United this season has been playing at home and they haven't won a game. They, they lost to Crystal Palace. They lost to Tottenham Hotspur. Right. They tied with us, which... Now I'm like, we could have won there. I agree. And they, they lost again, I believe, to Arsenal. So that's three three losses in a tie. And that's unheard of for Manchester United four games into a, a home season. Um, so they come in and this is a perfect opportunity for them to get the win. But like I said, again, with, with back off on the back of an international break, uh, here, Rashford and Greenwood could miss the game. Luke Shaw is injured. Um, so, just going to be interesting what kind of team is available for for Ole to to put together. But should be enough to get it done. I agree with you. I do have a question before we move on to the next round of games for that weekend. Do major teams that have massive stadiums? missing the fans in the stadiums have anything to do with results. For example, a Man United losing several games at home, you would think a one nail in the first 30 minutes from a team that we don't know much about or a smaller team, the fans would get on your back, kind of raise the volume in there, put the pressure on, almost spurring on, spurring you on to play better. Do you think that has any effect on how they've been performing at home? Yeah, totally. I, I think the lack of fans, not just for United, but all the teams in, in the Premier League has played a huge role in in some of the results we've seen. Um, so, and I think we've touched on it in, in, previous, in previous podcasts where we said it's that extra 10% you give when you know the ball's going out and this fan's going to be yelling and saying stuff to me that I don't want to be hearing. And so you're always putting that in, or even if you misplace a pass and, and the fans let you know through their groans and their boos, um, I think players are almost a little comfortable now making a mistake and knowing that there's no one around them to yell at them, unless it's one of their teammates. And I think right now United are having an issue with leaders. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I heard... I forget which game it was, but one of the commentators saying it's almost like exhibition matches or friendlies, for example. 
obviously there's points at stake, there's money at stake, there's TV rights at stake. But when there's no noise, no pressure, no volume, the players don't feel that and the games become a little bit disjointed, a little less defensive and has led to some of those high scoring games we've seen this quarter. So that's definitely a great analysis you bring up there. Yeah, yeah. So well, it'll be interesting to see, and even for West Brom, I know they've had some some positive COVID tests for a few of their first team players. Callum Robinson, Ivanovic, former Chelsea player. So they may not be at full strength, which would play into United's benefit. But I, I personally think United get their first home win in this game and, and get started on at least getting some points at home. Um, so that wraps up the Saturday games. And then we come into Sunday, another four games. Fulham versus Everton. Everton kind of gone off the bubble recently, so they need a win. Uh, Sheffield United versus West Ham. Sheffield still searching for that first win. And West Ham did well in, in their last few games, struggled to beat Fulham. So this might be a tricky one for, for West Ham. And then the final two games feature Leeds versus Arsenal. And we'll we'll get into that. And then the second game is Liverpool versus Leicester City. So interesting games and, and Bielsa versus Arteta. And then we have Klopp versus Brendan Rodgers. So let's talk about Leeds versus Arsenal. You know, that's a, a good game to watch. You know, the Leeds manager is definitely somebody who does his research tactically to start off with. It seems like Arteta does his research, research tactically as well. It'll be a, an interesting game to watch. I'm not sure how this goes. I thought Arsenal had momentum. I thought they were going to do well. And then, of course, they go and lose lose a game or so. And I just can't understand it. So I'm not sure where this is going to go. Leeds are at home. They have a decent squad. So it's going to be an interesting one to watch for sure. Yeah. Like you said, both managers are, are pretty astute tactically and... I think Arsenal's problem has been Arteta has been a little too astute in that right. in the away game against Manchester United, he's set up to be defensive, hold back. And then he used the same tactics against Aston Villa at home, which is which is weird because you're at home and you're playing, I don't want to say a lesser opponent, but you're playing a team that's had a tough time in Aston Villa and you play defensive. And that that was really their undoing. So they've got to bounce back from that, but Leeds have also been kind of up and down with their results. So for sure, both teams need need a win and need some points. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of teams they put out. But I think Leeds might get this. But we'll, we'll get into it'll definitely be interesting to see that. Yeah. Um, but then, moving on to like you know Liverpool and Leicester, that's a massive, massive game. My question is, who do they put in their in their team? They have injuries all across the pitch at this point. Yeah, Liverpool are, are are in serious trouble. It's almost like they made a deal with the devil to win the Premier League. For sure, yeah. And now they're just losing players. Um, so, like we said, Alexander-Arnold is out. Van Dijk is out. Joe Gomez is out. Andrew Robertson is, a, is unsure. Maybe. Uh, who else? Joe Gomez now? Jordan Henderson may be out. And then I think you just mentioned Salah. 
uh, Joe Gomez and Fabinho. And I think Slot tested positive for COVID, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he did on on, on international duty for for. So your six first team players. I mean, I do accept that they have a you know good bench, but when you have six first team players out, who do you field? It is going to be a very very interesting starting lineup, unless magically some of the players that picked up injuries are not as bad as we thought. We obviously know when, you know, Virgil van Dijk's out for a little bit. Um, maybe Salah has got a short stint with COVID. I don't know if it's, it's a week long or whatnot. However, if you've got six first team players out, who do you field against a Leicester team who are performing pretty well overall, I must say. Yeah. Leicester have been high flying and, and they come into this game uh, after beating Wolves at home. So they'll be looking to get get on the front foot. And going back to Liverpool, it's Klopp will really have to play around with the squad. And, and right. I know they played, I think his name was Reese Williams in defense a couple of weeks ago. And he was supposed to feature for the young, England under-21s. And he did it saying that he has a knock. So... That's another player that could have played that might be out. So, I that that's a real headache for Klopp coming into this game, and and it's not just any game; it's it's Leicester City. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I think Allison starts in goal. He's fit. Um, I personally I could think, not predict the, the the back four for you. <laughs> you could try anybody. I could not predict the back four yeah, for you. I I think he plays. Miller maybe at right back if, if Robertson is fit on the other end. So that gives him his two fullbacks. And then he goes with uh, Joel Matip as one of the center backs. I think Fabinho might be back because he was initially only out for two weeks. So that's their, that's a pretty solid back four, even after all those injuries. I think the only problem I see there is, and Chelsea have had the same problem for all of us that follow Chelsea, is when you have a back four that hasn't played together consistently, communication and positioning always becomes an issue no matter how you know how good your quality is in the back four yeah i agree and, and if jordan henderson is missing in midfield then that just adds to that lack of, of familiarity between the, the the team so definitely an interesting time to be a liverpool fan i know they're they're champions and, and they have all the right players but they've got to be fit to play them so um, interesting. I, I think Alcant- Tiago Alcantara might be back, so he's another option they might have in midfield, which would bolster their squad. And your boy Jota could fill in for for Salah. So not it's a bad situation, but they have some solutions. Definitely, yeah. Hopefully, it works out okay for them. Not uh, enough to keep winning games because we want Chelsea up there. But it's Liverpool versus Leicester, so maybe a draw works out nicely for us. Yeah, there should be some goals in that game. And then we come into Monday, our final two Premier League games, Burnley versus Crystal Palace. Uh, Burnley haven't won a game, so they're looking for that win as well. And then Wolves versus Southampton, which for me would be pretty exciting. They're both good teams, good players, and good managers, so... Yeah, it could be a fun game. I hate that sometimes our Monday games happen at 2 p.m. Central, uh, 1 p.m. Central, depending on the time when I'm deep in the middle of work. But I definitely try to catch these games afterwards. I'm de- I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a fun, fun game. 
Yeah, and if anything major happens, you know I'll be texting you. There we go. <laughs> so those are the games for this weekend. Excited to be back with the Premier League. Excited to be watching some of these fun games apart from obviously the Chelsea game. Um, so let's do some predictions. Jackie, we'll do we'll save the Chelsea game for the end. So what's your prediction for Spurs versus Manchester City? Wow, that's going to be a tough, tough game. Spurs are a little bit different this season. Man City are inconsistent this season. I'm going to just go off my gut feeling at a 2-2. Oh, okay. Works okay. good for Chelsea as well. <laughs> okay. I am going to go with 2-1 Spurs. With- wow. You're you're giving Mourinho the, the chance to climb up the ladder there. Yeah, I, I think there's some issues behind the scenes at Manchester City. Right. And Mourinho in his second season has got everyone pulling in the same direction. So I think he... He gets this out and depending on other results this weekend that might take them top so uh the next game for you is manchester united versus west Brom. you know ole gala solskjaer may have his job on the line i keep hearing rumors about you know mauricio pochettino i, I think they'll magically pull out of a 3-1 over there 3-1 okay I also think that they will win. Now, I know they have issues when they're not the underdogs, but um, if you're not winning against one of the bottom teams at home, then serious questions need to be asked. So I think 2-1. All right, we're on the same page there. Yep. Uh, Let's go into the Sunday games. Leeds versus Arsenal. 1-0 to Leeds United. Oh, wow. Arsenal don't even score? Arsenal don't even score. Which is which is interesting because they haven't scored from open play in their last four games, so this would make it five. Let's see how that plays out. <laughs> I, I say 2-1 Arsenal. Wow, okay. We're on the same page again. No, I say 2-1 Arsenal winning. Yeah, we're not on the same page oh, okay, again. We'll okay. see how that plays out. <laughs> um, let's move on to the one with all the injuries. Liverpool versus Leicester City. Nail-nail. And that's crazy because, you know, they've got Liverpool have some of the finest attacking players and Leicester have simply put Jamie Vardy, but I think it's going to be nil-nil. I'm I'm not, I'm not too sure about this, but I know Leicester went away to Manchester City and did the job. So I think they do the job here too. Okay. What's your prediction then? I am going to go with 3-1. Leicester City. Wow. All right. I'm going to watch that game excitedly. And they, they go top of the league with that win. So okay. Prevent Spurs from going top. <laughs> <laughs> I support that. Yeah. And then since we said Wolves, Southampton would be an exciting one. Let's do that one before we go to Chelsea. 1-1. One, one. Well, not too exciting then. Not too exciting, but I think the play will be exciting. I just think it's just going to be very, very tactically a master, master class over there. I'm going to go 2-1 goals. Okay. So now is the big one. And I said we would win convincingly. So I will go first and I am going to go with 4-1 Chelsea against Newcastle. Okay. I had three nail in my head. Oh, not to, not, not to Newcastle, though, but I think Chelsea are going to win 3-0. <laughs> All right. Well, we will, we've made a note of these predictions, so we will come back next week and 
talk about them in Jackie, we may start doing a prediction kind of game. Yep. And loser would have to do some kind of forfeit. So we'll we'll make this interesting. That'll be fun. Um, Just don't hold me accountable like you held me accountable for Jack Grealish. Hey, it's not me, it's the fans. <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap this up. But before we do that, we have our blast from the past. So this is always an exciting segment. So do you want to kick it off and let me know who your blast from the past this week is? Yes. I know I have been going close to home to the African continent, but this time I am going to England and I am going with Graham Lasso. Now, most of you might have heard of him from commentating on games for NBC Sport, but before he started commentating, he was playing for Chelsea and Blackburn uh, in the Premier League, but primarily for Chelsea over two different time periods. He was initially brought to the club in 1987 and made his debut two years later. He, in this first stint, made 90 appearances and scored eight goals. Um, played left wing, left back, and talk about having Chelsea having some good left backs. Graham Lasso was definitely up there. Um, and then in 293, he was sold to Blackburn. Blackburn at that point were building a, a, a squad that could challenge for not only the Premier League, but the Champions League as well under Kenny Dalglish. And so he moved to Blackburn, went on to win the Premier League with them in 94, uh, and then came back to Chelsea in 97 for 5 million pounds, which at that point was the most expensive, uh, that made him the most expensive defender in English football. So he came back, stayed at Chelsea for another six seasons, won the League Cup, the Cup Winners' Cup in 98, and then the FA Cup in 2000. Uh, before he called it time on his career and moved on to commentating. So that is Graham Lasso. That's definitely a wonderful blast from the past, especially given he made his debut in, you know, 1989 when I wasn't born. So it's always exciting to learn a little bit about some of our players from the past. That's definitely, definitely exciting. So blast from the past, you know, we've stuck with a couple of Chelsea players in our previous podcast. I decided to go a little bit further away from Chelsea for my blast in the past. Ironically, I went with a player from the continent of Africa. So I went with JJ Okocha. So for those of you who don't know him, JJ Okocha is so good, they named him twice. So he was a Nigerian international and captain. Um, he played across multiple, multiple teams, but I'm only going to speak about his EPL life. He played for Bolton Wanderers from 2002 to 2006. I remember him having, you know, a wonderful presence in the midfield for Bolton Wanderers and a throw in that was almost like a corner. He could throw in to the side. It would reach right the middle of a goal, you know, penalty box where somebody could head it in, volley it in. It was incredible. Um, he, then moved on from Bolton Wanderers out to Qatar FC and then coming back after a season to Hull for his final season before retiring. And fun fact, his nephew is Alex Iwobi, who plays for Arsenal today. So another African connection there. So this week, you know, Rahul stirred away from the African connection. So I had to kind of fill in over there. But that is JJ Okocha. So good, they named him twice. <laughs> Well, thanks for bringing us back to Africa. We have and, to. And definitely some great memories of watching 
Ococha in the Premier League and not just the Premier League, but in the world of football. So, yeah, he was he was one of the top talents in the game. And didn't know about Iwobi being his nephew. Uh, so that, that's also very interesting. So that brings us to the end of this podcast. It's been fun. We've touched on a lot of things today. Um, and look forward to getting some feedback from you guys. I know a lot of you have, have listened to us and, and sent us messages and, and told us what else you'd like to hear. So we'd be making some of those changes, but just wanted to touch on some of the places we've, we've seen our podcast being played. Um, kind of a proud moment for Jackie and myself, obviously the US, but Ghana, um, good to see some support from back home. Uh, the United Kingdom and Australia. So exciting and, and good to see that our voices are heard all over the world. Um, and just wanted to thank you all. Please continue to listen, subscribe, leave us a review, send us messages. We're on Instagram, Twitter, at the Premier Chels, if you haven't checked it out already. And we look forward to hearing from everyone that's a great closing comment right there. Exciting to hear from you guys. It really, really helps us. We appreciate the feedback and we definitely take all the input you're giving us. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Bye.